All right, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of A to the Show, international podcast. Today we're joined with Nick Pelletier. Uh, where are you right now, Nick? In Canada? Um, yeah, I was in Canada. I'm visiting some family on the east coast of the states right now, actually. So um, gotcha. I'm in Rhode Island right now, but yeah, usually in Canada. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Um, usually, Nick uh, would be staying in a bus. Is that where you usually live most of your time? Yeah, most of the time I'm in a converted school bus. So <laughs> a converted yeah. school bus, and when he's not in a converted school bus, he's uh, running around, biking around, swimming around. Uh, most great. recently, um, Nick swam across the, the the Canadian Channel. You want to tell us a bit more about what it is exactly and what the kind of challenge you went through? Yeah, so uh, it's called Okanagan Lake. It's a right. lake in British Columbia. It was uh, in. It goes through three cities: so Penticton, um, Kelowna, and Vernon. And it's 106 kilometers long. And uh, yeah, I, I swam from the most northern point by Vernon all the way through to Penticton. So it was 106 kilometers long total. Wow! And how how much time did it take for you to swim all that? Um, well, I attempted it three times. So, uh, the first two times I only made it halfway over about 24 hours. And this last time I ran into some troubles, but I ended up getting it done, but it took me 71 hours of straight swimming. So, oh my God, just yeah. like <laughs> when you came out, bro, I think I'm pretty sure like when you came out of the water, you just like your body's like shriveled up. Yeah, I uh, actually I came out and banged out some push-ups. I had to let people know I still had a little bit in me, but <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was definitely wrinkly though. I had pruned hands, pruned feet. Everything was uh, waterlogged. I actually had a slice on my toe. Um, I cut my toe while I was out there on the edge of our boat. While I was like, it got close, and I like pushed off of it and I sliced my toe. And uh, I went to get stitches after at the hospital, and the stitch just went right through my foot because it was so malleable, the skin. So they uh, couldn't stitch it even. They just had to glue it because my skin was just so pruney. So. Wow. <laughs> All the prunes. Supply super glue, man. <laughs> Whatever works. <Yeah. laughs> All right. I can't imagine swimming. The most I swam maybe is like 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> At the gym in a pool. Okay. So what goes into like a 70-plus hour swim that most of us don't even know about? I mean, I'm thinking about food, sleep, you know, entertainment. I don't know. How do you go? that long yeah so ideally when i was planning it the goal was sub 40 hours so right around 40 hours which is like two days maximum mm -hmm. i guess um obviously i planned for a little bit longer up to like 50 hours but i really wasn't expecting it to take this long i didn't even know this was humanly possible to be swimming that long to be honest with you so um, i kind of <laughs> surprised myself with it but but yeah, I mean, you, it's basically you're, you're starting out with a, a goal in mind and then you really have to be process oriented getting to that goal. So it's making a big list of things you need to check off before you even get to the starting point, which is your training, your nutrition, setting up your crew and your teammates, uh, the weather, the dates, your, what you're wearing, like making sure everything's on point peaking at this right time. And then yeah. when it's actually go day, then it's more or less mitigating problems as you go. So it's, uh, you want problem solvers and solution oriented people out there with you because you're going yeah. to run into something wrong over that long. And, uh, it's basically just, I like to say it's not 106 kilometer swim I was doing. It's a hundred and six, one kilometer swim. So 
the one that you just did, the kilometer, that doesn't matter. It's done. You're at the point you're at. The kilometer that's coming up ahead doesn't matter unless you get through the kilometer you're on, right? So it's really just focusing on how do I get through this one kilometer, what do wow. I need to tell myself, and then just doing it over and over and over. And each kilometer will be different. Some will be easy or easier if you have a tailwind and yeah. it's nice out and sunny, and then some will be hell if it's midnight and there's headwinds and you're disoriented and tired and hallucinating and all sorts of stuff. So. Oh, God. Yeah. So what? how did you deal with the sleep concept? Because 71, 70 hours of constant swimming. Mm-hmm. How does that work, man? Yeah, well, a lot of my training uh, beforehand went into it's it really if you're going to be swimming or exercising, doing things at kind of obscure hours of the day, you kind of got to train for that. So yeah. it really was doing a lot of like going out and swimming at two in the morning and trying to stay up all night, whether you're swimming or not, just like in life in general. And it's it's getting used to doing these things that you're going to be asked to do on, on game day. Right. So yeah. you're not doing things that you've never done before on the day of the event. You're the same with food. Like you don't want to be eating foods that you've never ate before on the day of the event. Mm-hmm. Right. So all your training sessions, that's when you go out and you test the foods. And if it doesn't agree with you, it sucks for that day, but at least, you know, Hey, I'm not going to eat this on the day of the swim. Right. So it's all just, uh, yeah going out there and, and uh, making things work. And, and it was nice in the water. I could kind of lay back and float and like rest and, <laughs> and uh, lay back a bit sometimes. But I had to mix in some, some different strokes because uh, at one point my shoulder kind of gave out a bit. So we had to mix in some different strokes, Ooh. but it was, uh, yeah, we got it done. So, And you, you mentioned That's hallucinations, amazing. which I'm, I'm guessing is because of the lack of sleep. So what... Could you share with us some of the things you saw maybe? Yeah. So probably around, uh, like 30 ish hours in 32, somewhere in there, I started to see, I like to say your mind, um, your brain just gets kind of lazy with things. So it takes the path of least resistance, what it thinks something could be. So it sees shapes and colors and, and with swimming, your head's always constantly moving like back and forth. So while you're yeah. like seeing something flash by, I'll see a shape or something. I was seeing platypuses with machine guns and I saw chickens <laughs> on my crew members' heads and uh, lions in the water and on the rocks. And and then you kind of stop and look at it. You're like, no, that's not what that is. But, oh, man. And then, like, <laughs> I would tell my crewmates and I'm like, oh, I'm losing it. Like, I'm seeing chickens and all this. But then they would relay that to my crew boat and they would actually get kind of uh, worried about it because... I mean, most people haven't really dealt with hallucinations before. For me, it's like, it's almost cool that you've gotten to the point where you've earned hallucinations because like, it's such a rarity, such a thing, right? That means that you've been out there pushing it for so many hours that you've got to that point. But I mean, they are kind of, yeah, they're, they're funny to just, if you, if you don't, if you don't get scared by them, like, oh, why am I seeing this stuff? If you kind of just accept it and you're like, it's kind of cool to see what your mind comes up with <laughs> as long as you're you know, safe. But yeah, it's cool yeah. how you called it like you earned the hallucination. Could you elaborate mm-hmm. a bit on that? Yeah, well, I feel like uh, to me, I say this thing is if you learn to accept and make peace with your current situation, you'll gain the ability to identify gratitude in any scenario. 
good or mm -hmm. bad throughout your life. So mm. what that means for me is uh, if you get to everything you're doing, you're going to be able to find gratitude if you accept where you're at. So um, for the swim, let's say I was in the water for at that point, like 30 something hours. And I had accepted I'm going to be in here a lot longer because we were almost at the halfway point. And I started getting these hallucinations and things. And it wasn't just like, oh my gosh, I'm getting these. I'm worried, like, what's going to happen? I need to get out or stuff. It's like, no, you're, I've accepted this. Like, I'm going to be in here for another day, day and a half, right? So let's make the yeah. most of what we have. And it's like, what can I be grateful for? Like, I'm grateful I'm still, I'm not injured right now. I'm still moving forward. Like, my crew's here. They're, they're supporting me. Like, the weather wasn't bad at that time and, and all these things, right? So there's always something you can be grateful for. And I think that's in any aspect of your life. Like if you just really accept the position you're in and like yeah. make peace with it, then, then you'll be able to identify all the gratitude and good things that, that are around. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely more um, alarming for the crew members because they're not the ones experiencing mm -hmm. it. They can only hear what I'm telling them. And yeah, of course. Um, if they've never had that before, it's, it's kind of a bigger deal. Uh, I feel like a lot of ultra people or people who've experienced hallucinations um, through endeavors and, and uh, endurance will tell you it's just like it's part of the game at a certain point and you do kind of it's nothing that'll like detrimentally take you out or end the event but it is something you just got to learn to work through and, and acknowledge and uh, yeah kind of yeah. enjoy if you can <laughs> wow I mean, that's, that's so amazing, inspiring, man. Nick, you know, it's like, cause you, the first time, the second time, right. Your wrist got dislocated. Conditions were bad. You got injured. You still kept going though. You did it a third time and you succeeded and you pushed through. Mm -hmm. Why, <laughs> why would you put yourself <laughs> through all this? Honestly. Yeah. I think, uh, that is important too. uh, is having a good reason why, and that's mm -hmm. different for everybody because, um, I think you really have to do all this stuff intrinsically motivated. If you're doing it for external motivators, like there's only been one person that's ever swam this lake before, mm -hmm. before I had, and, um, his record time was 40 hours, 57 minutes and one seconds at a mountain scene. And, um, so that was my goal was to go under that. And I was on pace for that. Every single one of the swims I did, I was on pace for it until a point where I'd gotten injured throughout, um, which is unfortunate, but it's the way it is. And um, so that that external motivator of like getting a record and getting a goal is mm -hmm. like, it's cool and all, but I think I do this stuff personally because on a normal day of life, I feel like I live between a, like a 10 to a zero and a normal day of life. I feel like on the low end, it might be a four. Like it's kind of a crappy day, but not the worst day ever. And the high end, it's like, you just see your buddies at the bar and have a good laugh. It's like a seven, but mm -hmm. on these endurance events and ultras and you swing on this pendulum of like the worst of the worst, like you're going the depths of hell and you're just like, no positives. You're injured. You're cold. Like you're in the most pain of your life. And then you ride these roller coaster waves up and down throughout the whole thing. And you learn to tell yourself what you need to get through this immediate adversity and then keep moving forward. And you have to be so, so 
present focus because you can't get ahead of yourself because how do you wrap your mind around a 70 hour undertaking in the water right and all this and then then when you finally come out on that beach and it's been four years of preparation and three attempts and you finally come out and your friends or family there and it's like these are like the best moments of my life these are these rare moments and i think a life full of striving for those moments is a life i want to pursue so putting myself in the position where I was when I failed both those times was like, those were the opposite end of that. Those were like the worst mm -hmm. moments of my life when it was the most painful. And what I didn't realize was I thought it would hurt in the moment, but I didn't realize the mental torment it would have on me for like, until I redid it again, it wasn't something that just left me. It was like, oh shoot, I didn't get it. Better luck next time. It was like everything I did, from the day I failed forward was like, okay, how could I use what I'm doing now to help me in the swim? So it's always like picking and pulling. I'd be running or something but like, oh man, I had this thought during the swim, like, and I got through it on my run and like, oh, next time the swim, I'm gonna do this. And like, it was always picking and pulling every single thing I did for both of those attempts. So for, for like four years from the very start of the project to the day that I started the final attempt was like, all this mental torment and it's like that's my reason why is because i don't want to have to deal that mental torment again and i want to see physically what i'm capable of so getting to that starting point it's almost a ultra endeavor in itself and then you kind of just take a deep breath and say like when the clock starts like here we go now all i gotta do is what i know i do best is swim right that's a simple part just putting your arms above your head for a few days straight, <laughs> so yeah Wow. That's insane, man. You just set what a goal so big that was like impossible for most of us humans. And, and it was almost impossible for you too, you know, like 70 plus hours in the water. That's mm -hmm. incredible. Was that the hardest thing you've ever done? I mean, you've done many endurance challenges, but it seems to me like this is definitely the highest point for you right now. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely, I think swimming in general is the hardest, like, physical act I've done. Like I've done all sports, like played base collegiate baseball and I played football and I've skied and running, cycling. I think swimming is such like a technique based thing. It takes so long to get good at. And compared to some yeah. of the guys I've trained with like uh triathletes and Olympian guys and I'm just I'm still nothing compared to those guys, right? But it does take a while to even get proficient at swimming where you're efficient enough to glide through the water without wasting all your energy. So, um, yeah, swimming is definitely like, I think in general, the hardest act or like activity I've done. And then this swim is adding so much more because it's not just a physical challenge. It's an environmental challenge in the truest mm -hmm. sense in, in the Okanagan. It's like we've seen in previous, uh, one of my attempts, uh, you, you set everything up for this logistical attempt and everything peaks at this point, people schedules th like tens of thousands of dollars for money, everything, your training, everything. Right. And then we have these forest fires that just like, yeah, gave the worst yeah. air quality on the, on the earth, mm -hmm. on the day that the mm -hmm. swim, like you can't see a hundred feet in front of you. It's complete mm -hmm. white out. You're breathing. It's literally like you're just smoking cigarettes, just being outside. Right. Mm. And yeah. everybody will say like, Oh, why didn't you wait a day or two to, well, th that smoke socks into the valley and it's there for like weeks at a time. So, 
Um, that's just like, it's no excuse why that time failed. It's just, it's a fact and a reality that we have to figure out different sighting lines now, because you can't look at the point that's 30 kilometers ahead. You can only see a hundred feet ahead. So you need to look on GPSs now. It's like everything changes when that happens, but, right. um, so it's not just like a physical thing. Are you fit enough to swim for this long straight? And then another thing that's tough with swimming is if you're running a ultra race for running or you're cycling and you get to an aid station, you can sit down, you can take a bite to eat for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. You can keep going. Right. And then, and then, uh, in swimming, the thing is you're in the water, you, you need to eat. It's almost more work to eat because you're treading water just with your legs (laughs) and trying to eat and why there's water. And then the water will come into your food and you're eating the lake water and, there's no break. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's always a, it's always a big loop of you're swimming for an hour, eat every hour I was. So you're swimming, you're like, Oh, I'm looking forward to my meal. And then you get to the (laughs) meal. It's like, Oh man, this is more work. I'm going to get back to swimming. And then you start (laughs) swimming again. It's like, damn, this is my life, I guess. (laughs) What were you eating? Was it mac and cheese mostly? Um, yeah. So I have an energy bar, uh, sponsored called Hornby Organic and I was eating a ton of those and I had like a a carbohydrate mix that I drink in the water every hour Mm -hmm. for sure just to get like some carbs in me um and then I had simple sugars basically every stop so either like honey gels um little candies things like that and then every so often, every couple stops would be more fats because those are your long burning fuel source, whereas sugars and simple yeah. sugars are like your fast burning carbohydrates and stuff. So I'd have things like olive oils, uh, like mm-hmm. pasta, like uh, mac mm-hmm. and cheese with some olive oil on it, mm-hmm. peanut butter, avocado, some mm-hmm. things like that. So, but by the end, I was eating like every hour for. 71 hours and my stomach was so upset and had heartburn and like by the end i was almost kind of just eating strictly gels because it was just like just get to the end just give me something that was easy to go down quick i didn't want to eat i didn't want to deal it was just like give me something quick and i'll so how how are you shitting it all out how are you shitting it all out (laughs) (laughs) it's like well like most of the times i've done ultra stuff it it, I haven't had to. Um, your body just burns it somehow. But this one, at <laughs> one point, I did have to. And yeah, you just for swimming, I was pulling down my wetsuit and this like being like a baby in the water. And just, yeah, just go. So. Wait, wait, what did you mean by like you just burn it all? How does that work? You just burn the shit. I, dude, yeah, I'm no doctor, so I have no idea how it, how it works. But, but usually, like with with ultra stuff, I find that everything you take in, it's it's just getting burnt. Like you're you're outputting so many calories, so yeah. you you have a struggle taking in as many as you're eating. And mm. I don't know the science behind it, but I seem to seems to be able to wait until after the event's done usually but when i mean when you're getting into three days and you're eating every hour and it's bound to happen so yeah for sure wow so <laughs> you've, you've mentioned a bunch of different sports that you you perform in yeah why haven't you decided on like just sticking to one why do so many yeah i think uh i want to definitely be someone who's versatile i think the legacy i want to leave is being somebody who's 
at the top of the game in a number of different games. So I want to be like in mountaineering, swimming, cycling, running. I'd like to be taking mm -hmm. on these world's first challenges and uh, like world-class challenges and, and be somebody who can, who can, uh, I like to take, like I've taken so many experiences from even when I was playing baseball and the mm -hmm. things I learned playing like a team sport and a completely different than an endurance sport in the true, like completely, but there's lessons I'll still utilize from baseball in my yeah. ultras now. And there's things like I was saying that I just did a cycling, an Everesting event where I like went up and down a hill on my bike, the height of Everest. And I remember even just pulling like a ton of inspiration and, and motivation and, and like keywords and mantras from what I did in the swim two months ago. And it was just like, I'm always able to pick and pull. And probably if I were to just stick to one sport and everything, I'd, I'd probably excel like quicker at that. But right now I feel like yeah. I'm, I'm slowly stacking them all up. And mm -hmm. in the future here, they're all going to kind of meet at the peak, like further and all along in my life where, where I'm kind of at the top of a lot of these. And it's also just like, it's nice to be able to change up. Like I swam for a whole year straight for training. And then, I mean, honestly, it's nice to go for a run and like a cycle and look at things while you're doing it. Right. And then the same yeah. thing is when you're training a lot with your legs, like running and cycling and stuff, it's almost nice on a rest day where most people might just take a complete rest day. I can go in the pool, maybe just throw a pull buoy in my legs. So I don't use them at all, mm. but I can still get a workout yeah. in use my upper body. Like, so I think it's just being versatile is really like, uh, it's never a bad thing. It's, it's definitely, uh, good to be versatile. So for sure. And you must have like some insane core as well. <laughs> oh yeah. Definitely hit the core. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be able to endure all of this, uh, it's, it's insane, man. Cause like, I know like obviously everyone who specializes either want to specialize in be like have a specific strength in a specific part of their body. But I feel like the core workouts are really important because because they can like basically allow you to push yourself over the limit. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you like, what can you comment on that? Because uh, so core like core workouts people, is in what could you elaborate on that? A yeah, bit? core workouts and like cardio and just your whole endurance, your physical endurance. Because mm -hmm. obviously, a lot of people who just focus on strength might n will have not yeah. the best endurance. So they're yeah. usually just pushing. So, yeah. So pain. yeah, yeah. Um, with with the endurance stuff, like I said, when I played baseball, I was an explosive athlete. So mm -hmm. I mean, baseball, mm -hmm. you're you're hitting and you're running running the first base or second base and it's like a explosive then you stop right everything is like hitting is that throwing it's all just like how fast can you go explosive yeah. for a short distance at a time and then i remember getting into like uh triathlon and stuff and i couldn't even run a 5k i was like how do people do this i was 203 <laughs> pounds because it was like we was all strength training and muscle and everything and then i remember my first year in triathlon i got down to 163 pounds i remember wow. thinking like man, I can run like it's so much easier to run. I can bounce like a feather and like, it was just way, way yeah. lighter. But, um, yeah, no, I definitely think that 
it's nice to incorporate things like strength and, uh, and, and all that. Um, these, like when I started the triathlon, I didn't have a good base of mm -hmm. endurance. And with that is like your work capacity is low. So that's why I said, when I go for a 5k run, it felt like, man, I, I can't barely do this. Like how could people run a hundred miles or whatever? Like, I don't get it. But yeah. the more you do these like, uh, zone two kind of heart rate zone workouts is it's where your heart isn't like, if you're sprinting, your heart's almost mm -hmm. twitching. It's like, boom, 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 boom. So the blood just yeah. like in and out, in and out. Whereas these zone two, it's, it's getting your heart to like, or for me, it's like 135 ish beats per minute, but it's maximizing the blood flow into your heart. And it's, so it's, it's not just twitching, it's beating fully each time. And yeah. that's what makes your heart grow is staying in zones like that. And then with a growing heart, better cardiovascular fitness, your lung capacity is growing, tidal volume, all that stuff is growing in those zones. But those zones take like, if they're la layers, right? So the workouts yeah. that I was doing four years ago for those are helping me now. And the workouts I'm doing now are going to be helping me in four years, right? It's like you see these effects later on down the line. That's why with people and when they first start something, they might get frustrated if they can't they see other people online and they're doing it and they want to get there right away. Right. It's like, yeah, if you're a beginner lifter and you start lifting, you might see results quick. Cause you, cause you are going from like nothing to something. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas mm -hmm. in endurance, it really takes a long time to build a base. But for me, once I, like I have a pretty solid base right now and it's, it's uh really all these things like swimming, cycling, running, I stay in the same heart rate zone for all these. And then it's kind of more, whatever my goal is, I'll specialize the training around that. So, um, my heart and everything, cardiovascular system, respiratory system, all that's getting trained the same, but it's the muscular thing. So if I'm doing a swimming yeah. event, I need to do a lot more swimming because I need my shoulders, the integral muscle, my shoulders mm -hmm. to be ready for, hundreds of thousands of strokes. Right. Mm -hmm. So that also includes like yeah. band work in the gym, stabilization, lifting stuff in the gym, strength stuff. Um, and then your legs, obviously like I go for still some runs cause that helps train that cardiovascular base still. But, uh, yeah. those like the supplementary stuff usually comes on the rest days because I don't take any days off per se. It's just like, I'll do something different or I'll do it easier or whatever. So I'll do yeah, something yeah. every day, but it's, uh, so it's taken, like, if I'm a strictly swimming goal, then I'll do all this swimming training is my main thing. And that's working towards strengthening, like I said, shoulders, everything like that. But on an off day, I'll do a run, which is also helping me, but it's also keeping me loose. It's keeping me like getting fit still. It's if I, and mentally for me, it's big as I like to do all this stuff because it helps me just mentally it, it keeps me clear headed and and i mm -hmm. feel most at home when i'm doing that stuff so mm -hmm. but yeah it's definitely definitely uh you gotta kind of tailor your training schedule and what you're doing towards your goals it's uh it's hard to take a one size fits all approach so you kind of got yeah. to choose your goals and then work backwards from there so i see wow and and when you're trying to do these big endurance events do you do any kind of like warm-ups before it starts or is it just like i'm ready go like are you having like a long stretching session or 
<laughs> pre-workout. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for the swim, it's, I had the same kind of stretching routine I do before mm-hmm. every swim. It's like a, a static stretches to start mm-hmm. and that's more like dynamic stuff. So like moving your arms through the ranges of motion you'll be in and all this stuff. And then, uh, yeah, we have, uh, it's called a breathe way. It's, uh, our, our, uh, one of the coaches in town, he developed this device. It helps train your lung capacity and tidal volume. So you breathe into this bag and then inhale. So that helps warm your lungs up. I've used that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, but I mean, it, it really is for the big events. It's your body knows what to do. It's just kind of warming it up. What's big is getting mentally in the zone to mm-hmm. do the thing. So, uh, for me, that's, that? yeah, yeah, to me, to me, I like to be alone. Um, that's mm-hmm. why for this swim, I took my bus to the starting point and mm-hmm. slept there the night before and had everybody meet me in the morning. So I got shuttles to bring everybody out to the start point in the morning, but I wanted to go out there and just like look at the lake and just like be in my bus and be in a place that feels comfortable, like home to me. But then remember, like going back to those cue words, those mantras, like remembering all those times this past years, what I felt like in that water, like when I had to get pulled out, the like smell of pus and blood coming off my body, like the months of rehab I had to do for injuries or the months of like wounds that I had that had to be fixed. And like, those are things you have to remember because when you're in the moment of so much pain and agony and cold, and it's an unescapable cold because you're in the water and you're so cold that mm-hmm. you, you can't get more warm because yeah. you can't leave the water. Right. So what's where you are is where you are. It's just, it's a feeling that's like terrible. It's you're so cold and you, you can't even, it's like you have, you're not going to leave till 30 hours from now. So how do you wrap your mind around that? But it's always, it's always thinking back to those times of like, when you're about to quit in those moments, remember those times, why you're there in the first place. First of all, yeah. nobody's make me do this. I put myself mm-hmm. in this position. Voluntarily, <laughs> yeah. But so like quit complaining, but at the same time, it's like, you have to remember your why in those moments because you will take the easiest path to immediate comfort, right? Mm-hmm. You will justify it in your mind, no matter what you say beforehand, no matter what you say, when you get in that and your shoulders not working anymore, you think you've torn something, you're hungry, you're freezing cold and there's a boat right there and they can take yeah. you in and they're just all, it, all it takes is saying, Hey, I'm done. And you get immediate comfort that's great. And I had that those two times, well, not of comfort. I mean, I was still injured and had to be pulled from the water. It wasn't like I mm-hmm. quit, but I got that immediate pull out of the water and it will never give you that feeling of like, uh, comfort that you're, you're looking for. It'll, it'll give you immediate comfort. Maybe you get a shower, you get cleaned up. And then what you have is, a year of mental torment until you get the chance to attempt it again, which is like, yeah, to me, it was, it was brutal trying to deal with all that because you want to get back in there, do it. You can't do it in the winter. So you have to wait a year and then you have a year to think about that. Right. It's almost like, um, it's like, uh, people competing at the Olympics and stuff, right? If you fail Mm -hmm. and then you have to wait four years till you go again, it's like, you're going to remember 
Mm -hmm. Those are going to fuel those training sessions, right? So as much as it would have been awesome to get it done the first year, I think I kind of would have been a bit, not lucky, but I was definitely naive going into it. I didn't understand exactly what this project would take to complete. Um, I still did my due diligence and like took really good uh, preparations, but I think having failed it twice, um, I took so much more and it's like made me better man, Mm -hmm. made me better uh, athlete, made me better in all aspects of life than I would have if I would have just like lucked out and got it the first time. So as much as it has been like a hell of a four year project, um, I'm glad that it's turned out the way it has. So Mm -hmm. that's, yeah, that's insane. And also Nick, since you've had experience in, you know, in your, like from learning from your failures and then eventually succeeding, what advice would you give to people to how to deal with failure? Yeah, I think don't be afraid of failure is the first thing. Like I had tons of people saying like, what the hell are you doing? Like, why are you, why are you trying to do this? Like, this is stupid. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, uh, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't have to make sense to other people. It just has to make sense to you. And if, if you mm-hmm. can see it in your own mind and see a way that you can get it forward, there's no right way to do anything. If you can get to a result, there's no right way to do it. Right. But you're never going to try mm-hmm. or you're never going to get somewhere if you don't take that first step. And it really is just like so many people say, oh, I'll do it one day or like I'll do this or that. But it really is like if you have even a percentage of the answers to the questions that you have, you might not have all the answers, but you're going to figure it out along the way. If you start, you just got to start. You got to be like goal motivated, but process oriented. So like I was saying, this is what I was talking about, the intrinsic stuff. The intrinsic could be intrinsic goal, extrinsic goal, whatever your goal is. You have that goal, but you really need to be invested and in love with that process of getting there. Because mm-hmm. if your goal is to be, let's say your goal is to be an astronaut and mm-hmm. you want to, you weren't really invested in that after your first failed test, after your first, where you say, oh, like, screw this, I'm done. Right. But somebody who's like, goal is that and it's, intrinsically motivated and that's the thing that's getting them up in the early morning just going to train sessions studying doing all this and that it's going to carry you months years to a goal right and this could be for any goal it could be short-term goals long-term goals but if you stick to a process and i think the only way to really be able to stick to a process is having either discipline or being so passionate about it that it's like undeniable like that's what you want to do there's nothing going to be wavering you from that so i think people are very worried about what other people will say about them too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I've gotten lots of hate online and all sorts of stuff, but it's also cool for me <laughs> to see. Yeah. It's, it's cool for me to see the people that even get inspired by what I consider as a failure, like not getting it done. And there's different yeah. ways to justify failures, right? Like even on my failures, we raised like tens of thousands of dollars for charity, mm-hmm. like inspired tons of people. So it's like call failure what you want. It was a failure of my personal goal. Um, But I mean, like that's what I was saying, finding gratitude and things. And you can always find a good in any situation. And like I said, if you're either going to get it on the first try or second try or whatever, and 
you're going to have that experience and then you reflect on that and that's where the learning comes in or you're going to fail it and you're going to realize, well, I need to change a bunch of stuff and you're going to implement that for the next time. It's it literally is yeah. it's the most cliche thing, but it is a win-win mm-hmm. and it's like you just, you have to take that first step. So like to me, it was always a lot of these trips I've done, like people always ask me, oh, what's your route when I cycle across Mexico? It's like, oh, what's your route? Like, where are you staying? It's like, man, I don't know where I'm staying tomorrow tonight like, <laughs> i'm on the road there's, car- there's cartel around here yesterday somebody tried to rob me like i have no idea where i'm staying but mm-hmm. i'm gonna figure it out all the way, <laughs> right and i feel like a lot of times mm-hmm. people uh, don't have the confidence to do that but the way you gain confidence is by going out and doing these things right and proving to yourself that hey you know i was worried about this but no i can't do that and, and it doesn't have to be second across mexico like, you started yeah. small because I started small. I didn't start with that, right? Like I started running around in, in Kelowna and the place I live and just pushing myself on a track or like it, it just everybody's goals yeah. will be different, but it's uh, it's finding what you need to tell yourself in order to keep moving forward because there's no right way to do it. And, and uh, the thing as well is you could call whatever you want, any of my people are always going to have something to say about the journeys you do about your goals, about everything. But if you're able to sleep well at night, that's what you got to define your own success. Right. So yeah, exactly. If you define your Woo! own success, you'll define what your failures are. And then if you do fail, then you learn from it and then you redo it again. And, and that's a process that will let you sleep well at night. And all the people who are talking shit online can talk, but you're yeah, exactly. well. They're talking shit, but doing what dude? All these people (laughs) talk shit, don't even have personal goals. They're not trying to do what you're trying to do. You're trying to do something superhuman. Of course, Mm -hmm. you're going to have failures along the way because, you know, it's near impossible to do. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I I like to tell, I like to say to people, like, if the lake's free, man, go ahead. It's right there. You want to do it? Go be my guest. It's right there. Uh, Fuck them, man. Fuck the haters. But um, Nick, I'm, I'm wondering about when you're doing all these long endurance activities, um, like, does it ever get like lonely for you? Because it's a very solo adventure when you're cycling across the country or just swimming or just you being in, alone with thoughts in your head. I mean, most of us are like so addicted to like freaking Instagram reel. Just, you know, I can't walk around. I can't walk from here to the grocery store without, <laughs> you yeah. know, a Scroll million on. different. Yeah, you know inputs in my head versus it's just you and a bike and Mexico, you know, and, um, I don't to know. Me, yeah. To me, yeah, it's 50 days. Wow. That's yeah, a long to, time to me. It's the, uh, it's when I'm in normal life, I'm, I'm so obsessed and passionate about this stuff. I think about it all the time. So mm-hmm. it really is like, I've really enjoyed my friends and family and celebration. And I always, after an event, it's the best because you felt like you've earned it and you're celebrating with friends and family and stuff. And but the longer I get doing that, it's almost like I'm always like ready to go again. It's like right after it happens for first or either a few weeks or a month or a couple months, like depending on what I just did, but it's nice to spend time with friends and family. It's always nice to spend time with family. And like, I love doing that no matter when, but it is like, I'll start thinking about this stuff while I'm with them. And like, I start tracking off and, and then I get like in my head about things and I start getting like feeling just, just not mentally great because I I'm so passionate about, I wish I was out doing the thing. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, 
just go do it then like plan something and start it and then i'll do that and then as soon as i start it and like mexico per se as soon as i started that it was like oh man like i have the next couple of months of my life planned like all i gotta do is i have a goal and it's so simple like obviously along the way there's gonna be everything is not simple like you gotta figure out a million different things but the goal itself is like you gotta get to cancun and you're in Cabo San Lucas. So <laughs> how are you going to do it? And it's like, Oh, let's just start. And you start. And then I'm never thinking about like, Oh, what, what do I got to do next? Or this and that. It's always just a task at hand. Right. And it's so like mentally freeing and it makes me feel like, like, um, every day is purposeful. It's filled from start to finish. And, mm, and I don't yeah. have a ton of time to go and scroll. And just like, I know those days, like where I've just, just scrolled all day and like mm -hmm. you feel yeah. like you deserve an off day or something, but you always feel like shit at the end of those days, right? Like everybody does. Everybody will say how much they hate social media, but they'll all be on it. Right. And I'm <laughs> guilty of that too. Right. Yeah. And sure. So, but it's like when you have these days packed full and you're out there doing it all day, it's like, it's hard to get, um, yeah, it's hard to get focused on that. Like bad. Yeah mentality but yeah it's definitely like lonely in places where something might remind you of your family or memories and it's mm -hmm. like you're thinking like oh man like you're laughing the whole day about like memories of your friends and it's funny it's like on an adventure sometimes it's like why you're not on an adventure all you want to do is be on an adventure but then sometimes when you're on the adventure you miss home so it's like a it's kind of like a yin and yang type mm -hmm. of thing but I'm always yeah. very grateful why I'm on the adventure that I'm out there. And, and I know I, eventually I will be back with my friends and family and celebrating, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun doing adventures as well with friends and, and, uh, friends that have the same kind of passions. It's always cool as you have people, things that bounce it off. But one thing I do like about going solo is there's no bias in the things you do. So everything yeah. you arrive upon is, uh, a product of yourself. So, like if you were to do, let's say a vacation or a trip with friends and you really want to go this spot, but you're with four friends who say, oh, screw that. Like, I don't want to go. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, I guess so. But like on a solo trip, it's like, no, you're doing what you want. Everything you do, like every decision you make, even if it's a bad one and you screwed up and something's gone terribly wrong, you're like, well, I, who do I have to blame <laughs> for this? It's me. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. everything that you come upon, it's all bias you and that, that like, it paints the trip how you want it to be told and how you want it to be seen, right? So it's a very personal yeah. journey and uh I love doing these solo things and definitely gets lonely, but uh I feel I feel at home when I'm doing them. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like it wow. really helps the living on the bus for you. I really feel like it really cleanses your mind and it has so Ali's been telling me a lot about uh Dopamine detox, dopamine detox. He's been, he's been really on this grind Stop of the uh, dopamine. doing it. Cut it out. <laughs> yeah. So I feel for you being on, living on the bus and just like staying away from all of this stimuli surrounding you has really helped you with that. I, is that your dopamine detox? Yeah. I mean, the bus is nice because it makes you simplify. So I mean, so I've been guilty of that too. Before I had the bus, I had a number of different vehicles. I had so much shit. You couldn't fit it in a house. Right. 
And then when I got the yeah. bus and I had to move out, it was like, oh, I got to get rid of this, 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 this. Like, how many shirts do I actually wear? Like, do I really need, <laughs> like, this globe or, like, all this stuff, right? So you narrow things down. And I'm not saying it's bad to have things. It's nice to have things and it's nice to have things you enjoy. But I really feel like all of us don't need as much as we have. Mm-hmm. And to me, the yeah. bus is, like, I almost feel like I have too much of the bus sometimes because it's kind of crowded. It's like, oh. But you really got to be like diligent with your space in, in a place like that. So you got to utilize everything. So lots of things have double purposes and and all that. But it is uh, it is uh, I like a simple way of life, right? Like everything is in one spot. And if worse comes to worse, like you know that you have your home, like your bed to sleep in. You have a place to cook and you have a place to yeah. or a vehicle to drive all in one. Right. So it's like you have everything you need right then and there besides a bathroom, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it really is just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a simple way of life. And for sure still though, like I can get caught up in scrolling and doing all that mm-hmm. stuff inside the bus, right? Yeah. Like it's not like it has force field that you can't have any of that coming in, but it's, it just does make you mindful. Like when you, when you park somewhere and you might be scrolling and feeling like, like just shitty and then you look up and there's like a beautiful lake in front of you it's like oh Mm -hmm. what am i doing like i'm gonna go outside look at the stars or like i don't know it's just a it's a good i feel like mental cue for it's being present uh, and at the same time it's a minimalist lifestyle yeah you know it's combining these two i feel like is has such an effect on people that Mm -hmm. you really end up enjoying life to the fullest yeah yeah yeah, and even like apartments I moved into or or places uh, since being in, like I've been in and out of the bus here and there, but since yeah. living in the bus and then moving into the apartment, it's always like, oh, I've, I've narrowed down like a ton of things. Like my room's a lot more, uh, like I got just what I need. And my one thing's bikes. I got a ton of bikes. I got mm-hmm. bikes <laughs> that take up most of my room, but <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you have like a bike for every country you've been to? <laughs> Not country, but I got a yeah, I got a gravel bike for my trekking, and I got a mountain bike, I got a racing road bike, and then I just got like a rider rip around road bike, vintage. So, oh yeah, <laughs> wow. I mean, Nick, you live a really unconventional life in terms of most of us, right? And <laughs> I mean, I you know, you chose it yourself, though. You know, no one forced you to do it. You know, <laughs> smart. you could have a regular job, live a normal nine to five life. And, but I'm, you know, I'm curious as to like, uh, your adventures and, and what do you tell yourself, you know, to keep you on this path of keep pushing yourself forward? I mean, you mentioned mantras a few times and, and I'm curious, like how, what do you tell yourself on a daily basis and before an adventure that makes you, um, so hyped up for it? Yeah. Well, to me, it's, uh. To me, it's like experience is the most valuable thing in my life. I look mm-hmm. at, I think back on the days of my life where I've been like the most happy or the memories where I have the fondest memories. It's always like experiences that were like me achieving something I didn't think I could do, overcoming yeah. like adversity, or it was celebrating with friends and family. And mm-hmm. doing these things is quite often both of those come as a product of that and i think it's just exciting for me to think about 
who we were as people like way back in the day when we didn't have all the luxuries of modern life. And they still had that same sense of like adventure and exploration and like what's around the next bend, like what's over that mountain. Like, I wonder if I can swim across that lake, what's over there, what's on that side. Like, could, could it help my family and all this and that. Right. And I feel like we still have that ingrained deep within us. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a reason lots of people like hiking or being outside or swimming or kayak, like it's anything, right? That's still in yeah. us all. And I think to me, I just am somebody who's a perfectionist in, in my own life and I have big goals for myself. And I think the biggest goals and biggest highest you can take this is looking at the world at a global stage and uh, seeing it as a canvas and like, what could I create on it? And my career is going to be lots of different colors and flavors of different variety of activities and landscapes and everything. Yeah. But that's why I want to be so versatile. I want to be somebody who you could drop in any location and they'd be able to figure it out. Right. Like throw me out of a plane. I'll be able to skydive down, <laughs> let, land me in the water. I'll be able to swim to shore, land me in the desert. I'll be able to run there. Give me a bike. I'll be able to get back. Give me like anything, right? Let me climb a mountain and I'll be able to do it. I just want to be the most versatile person I can be. And I want to test myself and what I think I'm capable of. And my testing grounds is the world. So that's kind of what it wow. excites me. So my biggest problem is I have trouble uh, committing to which <laughs> one I want to do. Because as, mm -hmm. as my goals get bigger, it, it starts to get more money and funding uh, with mm -hmm. things you need. And then... Uh, the time commitment gets bigger. So you're looking instead of 50 days across Mexico, it can be getting into the three, four, five, six year long range. So, or months oh, wow. and then year, like up to a year. So I you never know. So it's just uh, weighing your options. And, and for me, a lot of the things I do, it's either like a long form style expedition like Mexico, where it's day after day after day, but you have some rest in the evenings or mm -hmm. it's like a all out, give it go, one, two, three day event, like the swim, mm -hmm. which you would like train and prep for. And then that's the day you can do a few more of those a year, but like the longer form expedition ones, usually only one or two of those a year. Right. So it yeah. is just uh, figuring out and then working with brands and sponsors and, uh, and people who are helping you fund the thing. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, not making all that much money living in my bus. So. <laughs> wow. But, you know, what the minimalist uh, approach doesn't, doesn't need it. You know, you're just, you just live life and enjoy like the things by taking what you need. You don't want much. You, you don't, you don't strike me as a person who, who goes for what he wants more than like, more like he, what he needs so that yeah. to support to me, him it's like, to, to his, to achieve his goals. Yeah. To me, it's like, I think this is for anybody you look at the lifestyle you want and you have to work backwards with that and mm -hmm. your job depends on that. Your spending habits, your quality of life, where you live, everything. Right. So if I yeah. wanted a big house and I wanted fancy, like a nice car and I wanted to have a nice, like a super nice watch and, and be able to go spend money at a club every weekend and stuff, my job would have to reflect <laughs> that. Right. So I wouldn't, yeah. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. Like if that was truly my goal, I would have to mm -hmm. look at a different option. And that's, 
if that's whatever people's goals, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Whatever your goal is, it's not mm. bad to have nice things. If you want to have a nice place, your goals going or your job's going to have to reflect that. Right. Mm-hmm. For me, like I said, yeah. the most, the most important thing to me is these experiences and it's, it's getting them on video on photo, like, so I can relive them or show my kids one day or like be able to inspire other people. So that's where I'd like to invest and spend my money is being able to document these challenges as well as fund the challenges. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I just get so much from these things. Like, like even that cycling, the Everesting thing I just did like, uh, last week, the, where you climb up and down the mountain on the bike to height Everest, it was since the swim I'd been doing, I would still been training. It's been two months or two and a half, whatever, but I was feeling just like, I want another goal. I didn't know. I didn't really want to commit to a big thing yet, but I was like, I always get nervous for these things too. It's like, Oh, do I really want to cycle all day? It's like, man, when you're doing it, it's like, you would rather be nowhere else. So just like commit to it and do it. So I just went out and did it. And, uh, I always take so much from one single day. It's one day of your life, literally one 24 hour day and you might struggle the whole day and it's going to be like that type two fun where it's terrible in the moment, but you're going to take so much from that single day. I took more from that one day than I have every single day since my swim. So for the past two and a half months, I've taken more from that one day than I have. Right. And that's like the type of learning you're not going to learn in schools. You're not going to learn from anybody telling you it on a motivational thing. It's like the motivation comes to say, like getting you to the starting point, right? That's what's going to, those motivations Mm -hmm. and things will get you to. It's like, Mm -hmm. if I can be a motivation for somebody to put their shoes on and start, my job's done. Then it's up to Mm -hmm. you to like, figure out how to motivate yourself to keep going because that's your journey. That's your process. Right. So, yeah, I feel like doing these things is just an investment that it's like expedited living. You jam all these experiences into one day. Like if you were to do an hour cycle, let's say, and you're pushing yourself, you're climbing a hill, you're going down, you're going to have these like little, Oh, I got to get up here, go down. Like, Oh, I got to push myself here. I can relax here. And like all that's fit into Mm -hmm. one hour. Right. And yeah. that's usually one day. But if you do that for 24 hours, you have 24 times that, right? That's like a month worth of training almost or a month worth of those learning experiences. And it's just in one mm-hmm. day. It's the same day every one of us has, right? But you could get investor or you could uh, spend one day where everybody else would be doing whatever and invest that one day towards that. You might not be able to see them or other people or everything, but you're going to get 24 X your return on investment on that one day. Right. So that's the way I look at it. So that's why I like trips like the Mexico and things mm-hmm. when you're doing those one days every day, day after day for months, it's like, I feel like I've lived 10 years in a trip like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, Nick. So what's next for you? What's the next adventure we're looking forward to? Uh, I'm not sure yet, actually, to be honest, I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, Cycle I don't know if I want to commit to, I think the next one, I, I'm not going to say it's going to be like which discipline, but I'm, I, I want to commit again to like a style like Mexico, like a, mm-hmm. like a, uh, day after day after day style expedition. Mm-hmm. So whether that be yeah. swimming, cycling or running, um, I'm thinking that's what's going to be. So All right. just to pick what it is. And, uh, how can we help you? How can the viewers help you? How can, uh, yeah. So, um, 
yeah so we're yeah just following me and on np adventure is my instagram just np uh, adventure um i got my my uh website is just nickpelche.ca and then there i'll be able to post like i i film everything so all my videos from everything will be on there and and one thing we're uh doing right now is we're working on a documentary for the swim it's called sink or swim so we're trying to get it on uh Netflix and things right now. So we're just talking with some people, but again, if anybody has connections or anything, it's always helpful, but, uh, yeah, yeah right now we're <laughs> just working on, working on some, uh, getting some funding and things for that. So, um, yeah, but yeah, no, best of luck, amazing, man. Best Honestly. of luck. Yeah. Netflix. So Come on. Give this, give this guy his special. Come on. Do it. <laughs> just give yeah, it. To well, him. I thank you guys for having me on. It was nice talking with you. Nice well, it's nice to talking to you, man. <laughs> And uh, I guess this is how we sign out. Guys, this has been another episode on A2 The Show with Nick. Nick has been sharing us with us all his adventures. And keep tuned on his Instagram page, his YouTube, his website, so that you can see more of his crazy adventures. Hopefully, he'll also do another cycling trip in the Middle East. Maybe. You never know. <laughs> when it's safer, of course. And uh, you guys know how we do this. Salute and cover the camera. Peace. Out of here.